You are listening to The Alex Spicer Show, where we like to focus on God, family, freedom, and religion, and discuss the true principles that ensure our happiness and our success in light of current and historical events. Welcome to The Alex Spicer Show. So this is actually a very special episode. I know I probably say that a lot, but you may recall a couple weeks back, I did an episode where I interviewed an ambassador from Braver Angels. And I reached out to them and I I had been speaking to them. I had an idea. I really wanted to experiment um, with doing one of their Braver Angels activities, doing a conversation with someone who uh, is on the other side of the political aisle from me. Um, Honestly, I was excited and also terrified at the idea, but I felt like it was the right thing to do and, and to try um, it, it, for a couple of reasons. One is I, I really do want to support their cause and I feel like this is a great way to do it. I really want, uh, you, my listeners to be exposed to what it's like. And also truthfully, I don't just do it for you. I do it for myself. I, I personally want to have this experience cause I want to do it more often in my life. And I thought, well, what better way than to participate in braver angels now, but here's, here's a warning. <laughs> Donna, the person who I spoke to, did such a good job. And she's done this before. Uh, She did such a good job at just being herself, speaking, and sharing. And even though I had read through all the prompts and and had uh, been prepared in that way, honestly, I emotionally was not prepared. Uh, (laughs) I I listened to it and I'm like, you know, it's a little bit embarrassing for myself because I feel like. It's not my best performance or my best uh, conversation because, I mean, upon reflection, I, I really was emotionally kind of tied up. Uh, even though I knew it was, it's an atmosphere where you can safely discuss and share ideas, I still, uh, I, I'm not naturally a, a confrontational sort of person. And also, I, uh, I I realized now I was trying to speak in such a way to where I would kind of dance around uh, subjects or ideas where I'm I, I'm a bit too general because I didn't want to be offensive. When rather, that's exactly the whole point is that I could say what I think and feel, and she would listen, and that'd be okay. Uh, and that's that's kind of an interesting scenario to be in because uh, I, I I kind of go into this a little bit in the episode as to this realization that I had, which was that I was not, I was not really being very forthcoming, but you got to listen to it. It's, it's so good. And Donna does such a great job. Uh, and, and to be honest, I, I disagree with a lot of things she said, but it was really fascinating to find the common ground, the commonalities. And I, I really, really look forward to having our second conversation and I am preparing myself to have that conversation uh, and to be more myself and more open because it is safe. It's a safe environment, and that's the whole point of this. It doesn't do any good if the only one brave enough to actually speak is the other side of the political aisle. That doesn't do anyone any good. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. If, you, if you're on a platform where you're listening to this where you can comment, please comment. And please leave a review. Leave a review uh, for this podcast, five-star review, and share with us what you enjoyed most about this episode or any other episode you have listened to. Now, without f- further ado, 
Here is this Braver Angels episode meeting with Donna, a red-blue conversation. Hi, Alex. We call these one-to-one conversations, but they're actually a little different than a standard conversation. Um, There are times in the instructions when it says, one person talks for four minutes, no crosstalk. Well, no crosstalk means the other person does not interrupt. While one person's talking for four four minutes, there's no interrupting. That enables the person who's talking to, to go deeper and thoroughly answer the question. But it is a little unusual for those of us who sometimes are used to interrupting. I just wanted you and your listeners to understand that. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. So uh, at the beginning of this conversation, we have a set of goals and ground rules, and we take turns reading those out loud. So uh, I know you've got that right in front of you, Alex. So would you please read the goals? Yes. So the goals for this conversation are gain more understanding of the experiences, feelings, and beliefs of someone who differs excuse me, with you in today's politically polarized environment. And the other one is discover any areas of commonality in addition to differences. Great. And here are the ground rules for our one-to-one red-blue conversation. Uh, done by braver angels. So number one is we're here to explain our views and to understand the other person, not to convince the other person to change their mind. Two, we're here as individuals. Let's not assume the other person holds any particular views of a political party or political leader unless they say they do. Three, we're going to describe our own views and avoid characterizing the views of the other person in terms they don't use themselves. In other words, no applying your own labels to the other person's positions. For example, big government liberal, or anti-immigrant conservative. Four, we're going to stick to the process for each stage of the conversation. Example, if the question is what we each learned about how the other person sees an issue, that's all we do then, even if it means resisting the urge to correct the other person's obvious mistake. We give each other permission to gently remind each other if we veer off from the process. Are we both on board with these goals and ground rules and ready to go? Yes, yes, we are. Super. Great. Okay, here we go. Question number one, I'll go ahead and read it, is why are you participating? So why did you decide, Alex, to participate in this red-blue conversation? So I wanted to participate in this because I have found that anytime I have a relationship with someone, a friendship, someone who I deeply care about, who doesn't have the same opinion as me, I don't let their differing opinions, uh, you know, their, their opinions that are different from mine corrupt our relationship. And, but that's not the way America is trending anymore. Now it's like if there's a political difference there, the, uh, we are told or at least influenced by uh, those with power in the media to separate ourselves from such people. And I realized that's, that's not true. I wanted to participate in a conversation like this to, to show, uh, well, sh- show to myself, but also to anyone else who listens just how valuable it can be to listen to someone else. Even if you feel like, oh, I I already know, or I don't agree, just to listen so we can create empathy. Great. Uh, I've decided to participate because for me, it's all about relationships. When you have a relationship with somebody, even when you disagree with them, you can still keep things going. Uh, What you find out when it's somebody you disagree with politically and you have you talk to them, uh, you can you can find out that that actually this person isn't so bad. 
You know, they're not a green eyed monster. I kind, I kind of like this person. Oh my God, I like this. <laughs> oh, how is that possible? But that's what happens again and again when people who differ politically from each other talk to each other uh, in this type of, uh, in this case, it's kind of a structured conversation, but it enables us to be who we are without the rail, the guardrails falling off. In other words, without anybody standing on their soapbox and, and then refusing to listen to somebody else. It works. It, it really does work. So for me, it's all about relationships. And for me, each relationship is like a sturdy brick, but thousands of bricks together can make a mighty bridge. I like that. That's a great analogy. Yeah, cool. Or metaphor. I'm bad at I'm bad at these English terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I use the word like, so that would be an uh, an, an analogy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. <laughs> anyway, so did you see anything in common in why you are participating? Oh yeah. Uh, immediately, yeah. you you and I both went to relationships. Uh, that's that's really what it comes down to. Um, you you recognize it's about relationships, and I also recognize it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. Cool. Then I look forward to having a relationship with you, Alex. Me too. Okay. So um, why don't you go ahead and read the second question? Sure. So second question is to share something about yourself, such as, you know, where you lived, how long, uh, and for how long, you know, talk about your family or even a fun question, like what, uh, what was your favorite meal as a child? And actually I do want to take that prompt because this will probably tell a lot about me. Uh, my favorite meal as a child was mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, I love, and I still do. I love mashed potatoes and gravy. And, uh, now that I've become an adult, I'm kind of a snob about mashed potatoes and gravy in a way where it's like, no, no, it's gotta be buttery. It's gotta have salt. It's gotta have pepper, right? It's gotta have some flavor. Um, but I love that because um, for until basically I was a teenager, we we did not have a lot of money growing up and potatoes. I mean, they're always cheap. So that was always something I could get full off of. Um, not that not that my parents ever, you know, were, were making us go hungry, but like I could there, there could be a lot of that. It didn't cost my family very much money, so they could make a lot and I could eat until my stomach wanted to burst. And I thought it just tasted the best. If I could have mashed potatoes and gra- mashed potatoes and gravy at any time, uh, I, I would. In fact, uh, when I was, I think it was like seven, um, I saw grits in in a box. And you're probably thinking, why are you talking about grits? Well, because I didn't know what grits were. <laughs> I actually, I don't think I'd ever had grits before. But the the picture to me looked like mashed potatoes, like instant mashed potatoes, because that that's what I often ate was instant mashed potatoes. And so I was like, Mom, I really want that, you know, uh, for I think it was lunch or breakfast. And she's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, no, I really want it. She's like, okay, no, I want a lot. So she like made a huge bowl full of it. And there's even leftover in the pot. And I took my first bite and I was like, ah, like, no, this is, this is not mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> Needless to say, I was very disappointed. Um, and outside that, you know, I've, I lived all over the country growing up. I moved quite a bit. Okay. Very good. Uh, so I live in Fairfax, Virginia, which is kind of right outside Washington, DC in Northern Virginia, but I've lived a lot of other places too. I grew up in Rochester, New York until I was 18. I have lived obviously here in the DC in this area. I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in Madison, Wisconsin. I've lived in both Sacramento and uh, San Francisco area in California. And then for nine years, I lived abroad. 
twice in Japan, um, mostly Tokyo. And I also lived for two years in South Korea. And so that says something about me too, that I've, I've had the opportunity to view my country from, a, from abroad, from uh, an a outside perch and see what it is I love about it and what I see could be improved, but I, I love being an American. And then a favorite meal as a child. So uh, I am a sugar addict, so it has to be something sweet. In my case, I'm going to say orange donuts. Now, there's a reason behind that. Uh, I am the oldest child, and my brother is four and a half years younger. So I had some time there when I had mom all to myself, right? And during that period, she used to go downtown, downtown Rochester, to the YWCA and go swimming. She'd put me in a daycare at the Y. She'd go swimming. And then the two of us would go together to Sibley's department store. Sadly, it's long gone. Uh, but at the time, it had a great cafeteria in the basement. And we would each have an orange donut. So an orange donut, and by the way, I like cherry and blueberry donuts as well. But to me, it, it's a happy memory of when I was little, eating something together with my mom and having fun doing it. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to read you the next prompt, question three. Where are you politically and how you got there? How would you describe yourself politically and what life experiences have influenced your values and beliefs about politics and public policy? And here you have up to five minutes. So I'll set the awesome. time. There. Okay, go Please for do, it. yes. <laughs> All right, so, um, you know, where... Where am I politically? How did I get here? I, you know, I would describe myself as a constitutionalist, at least. Um, mm -hmm. And this is why I say that I, I'm not very good at labels. And I mean, you could say conservative and also libertarian. You know, you know, I think I feel like many people, including myself, are are a mixture of many things. But I will say, at least constitutionalist, because. Um, I, I really love history, and my favorite segment of history to study has been the uh, American colonial period, mm -hmm. and also to, un to, to study founding fathers and why they came up with the conclusions they came up with um, uh, for, for the Declaration of Independence. You know, why would they separate from Britain, and also why would they make the Constitution the way they did? And the more I studied it, the more I came to realize the uh, – the, uh, mastermind uh, or the the way the way of thinking behind it was just so masterfully so masterful that that uh because i began to better understand human behavior uh, i'm an active uh christian you know i go to church every sunday and uh something that comes up being a christian all the time is that you strive to overcome natural tendencies of human behavior and uh, something that is that I've believed in strongly is that human beings, you know, because we have the capacity or we have the ability to choose, we have the capacity for great good and great evil. And uh, the more I've studied, the more I've concluded that there's there's a lot of accuracy in what uh, the founding fathers had create had uh, had assumed or or decided when they did their study of history and and uh, governments, and that is that ultimately. Uh, you need the right environment for free society, and then also you need a, a uh, if you're going to have a um, the right environment, meaning the people are going to have the correct sort of manners, the correct sort of culture, 
then you can have a government that can coincide with that to maximize their freedom. Um, and then uh, in order to safeguard against uh, all the tyrannies that we experience throughout history and throughout the world, people need to have the, the most amount of work on self-restraint. That way they don't turn to political um, power to create constraints upon their fellow man. So and I know I'm not talking much about life experiences, but that's what I've studied. Um, my life experiences really do consist of having moved all over the place. And also I lived in the Philippines for a time. Uh, human beings are the same everywhere. You know, we, we have the same natural tendencies and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't believe so strongly that uh, it's just, it's just like one way or, you know, this way or that way. I believe that if you create um, proper, guardrails and understand why those guardrails exist and we'll be able to see as uh as i said in the scriptures we'll, we'll be able to see the the uh beam in our own eye before we seek out the you know the moat and someone else's um we we can recognize uh that people can be unkind or cruel or tyrannical to some degree regardless of their race regardless of their background uh-huh. And okay. I think I'll, I'll call it, I'll call it good right there. So I don't go to, well, you have another minute if you want it. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say that um, I, I'm also where I am politically because I have seen many good friends on both sides of the aisle. And unfortunately more so on the left side of the aisle uh, disassociate from me or, or to believe things I find to be uh, very self degradating Um because of the polarization of politics and, and because I've lost friends and I've also um, been on the, the other end of people being, uh, being hateful towards me, I recognize that, you know, there are emotions that come at play, but if we can avoid the, the politicization of our emotions, then we can avoid the polarization. Mm, okay. Excellent. Okay. So some things that I heard you say, Alex, is that you are a constitutionalist. You love history. Um, you feel that the way the Constitution was written was masterful. Uh, you, you understand, you're a student almost of human behavior, that you find lots of humans kind of behave the same way, um, and uh, that what we should do is maximize freedom um, and uh, engage in self-restraint, and that Christianity is a, a very big influence on you. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah. By the way, and and I share your love of the Constitution. I was lucky enough to visit the homestead of James Madison in Montpelier, Virginia. Oh, awesome. Where where do you live, by the way? I actually live in Utah. I live uh, about an hour south of Salt Lake. Okay. So, yeah. So um, living out here on the East Coast in Virginia, we're very close to uh, you know, George Washington's home at Mount Vernon, to Jefferson's home, to Madison, et cetera. So uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, and I think James Madison, talk about masterful, the way that he um, helped to divide into the three branches of government, knowing that, that you know, to try and keep one would place restraints on, on the, each other uh, was fantastic. For sure. And, and have you, by the way, have you ever gotten to, um, to Williamsburg, Virginia, since you love the colonial period? You know, I don't think I've ever been to Williamsburg. I used to live in Ohio. And, um, so we would sometimes take, take trips to go find or go to, uh, a historic spots. 
And I've been to DC. I don't think I ever went to Williamsburg though. I've actually, I was going to go this past spring. I was actually going to visit all those main spots in the DC area and even up to Pennsylvania and stuff. But uh, because of January 6th and also the COVID lockdowns, I had to cancel the trip. Yeah, I understand. Well, I hope you get out there. I'm I'm pretty sure you would absolutely love Williamsburg. It's a a very special place um, where they have frozen in time uh, a town in the... um, the, it, it's about 1732 or so is, is where wow. it's frozen. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And historical react, reenactors. So, oh, that'd be anyway. awesome. Yeah, oh yeah, you just love it. Um, so for me, I would call myself a um, moderate liberal. And uh, talking about uh, something in my life that influenced me, I grew up uh, near the shores of Lake Ontario, one of the five Great Lakes within walking distance, uh, you know, just a few miles. And during most of my time, you could not swim in Lake Ontario. Why? Because it was too polluted. So there was a beach uh, and you could sit on the beach if you wanted to maybe, uh, but you couldn't swim. Uh, And I was, uh, so I became an environmentalist early on. Um, I organized a recycling drive at my high school and became an economist And so I know about externalities and externality being something that's like an unintended and often negative consequence of some other economic activity. So pollution being a negative externality um, when you let companies just send their wastewater into into the lake. Um, So that kind of made me think about... um, where government does play a role that I feel in the case of externalities, government needs to play an important role in regulating um, those companies or individuals that uh, are kind of, um, they're not paying, they're they're ruining things for somebody else and they're not paying the consequences. It's just free to pollute a lake if they want to. So that was, so it's very interesting. We all have different experiences growing up. And it's, to me, it's very interesting how those experiences do color our beliefs. So that was an important experience for me. Oh, and I, I, oh, I did. Oh, I'm, I've got just a little less than a minute, but that pretty much sums it up for me. Um, I, I'm moderate, and I'll talk more about that. I don't believe and, and adhere to everything that all liberals or progressives say, uh, but there's, uh, I have difficulties sometimes with the folks on the right too. So that's where I'm at. Okay. So, so uh, I hear that, um, that you you were an economist or are an economist. Is that correct? I heard that correctly. Yeah. And you studied externalities and also your, your life experience of, of seeing how basically, uh, I mean, being a child and not being able to <laughs> go swim in the lake would be torturous. Uh, and, and I, and so it sounds like you, you were able to experience that when things get out of control, when, when companies are not held to, uh, certain standards or, um, uh, kept accountable for what they do, it can, it it can create unintended consequences for other people. So therefore there is an important role the government has. Yes, that's that's exactly right. And they ask us now, what did you learn about the other person's political perspective? And did you see anything in common? So we have kind of shared to some extent what we learned about each other's perspective. Did you see anything in common? 
Well, I mean, uh, maybe I'm going before your time has started, but you and I both appreciate the Constitution, it sounds like, and we both uh, like history, <laughs> for sure. Um, also, that neither one of us have denied that there's an important role of government. In fact, I think you and I both are on the same, uh, have the same concept that there is an important role the government plays. Uh, and I, I feel like, you know, we can just get started into, into even diving into, you know, how, how we, how we see that role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and our next question will allow us to do that if we want to go there. Um, so the next question is, uh, and you can go ahead and, and take a stab at this first, but it's what's good about your side. Why do you think your side's values and policies are good for the country? Um, again, uh, no crosstalk, speak just about your own side and avoid comparisons that characterize the other side. My side cares more about none of that. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, so um, I will say, if I say my side, what I really mean is my perspective, because I, I don't, uh, I know maybe, maybe there's a number of people out there who agree to an extent with me, but also I know I disagree with many things that they um, desire to do. Uh, I would say that um, why I feel like my side's values and policies are good for the country, you know, I would say that they are good for the country because they are about efficiently using the arm of government in, in the role that it ought to play without, um, without repeating the cycle of history, which is the, the tendency towards tyranny. I, fi- I find that to be very important that, that uh, we don't ever move towards uh, enabling the government to do something without recognizing uh, the the tendency towards total power, the tendency towards the human suffering caused by government power. Um, I, I care a lot about um, about avoiding uh, the the loss of human liberty and also the uh, the infringement of rights for the for what many consider to be altruistic purposes. I've, I'm very careful about making sure that that doesn't happen because ultimately um, the greatest level of happiness and prosperity will come when we have a government that doesn't interfere and, and doesn't prevent us from speaking our minds and also from having that exchange of thoughtfulness or of thoughtlessness even sometimes uh, in order to enable us to, to be ourselves and to, and to grow together. Um, and that's why I like conversations like this, right? Because we, we can hear one another's sides. And I feel like the, uh, lately the government has played a strong role in, uh, in, co- in um, cahoots with, you know, with media and big tech to create, make it easier for us to ignore one another. So I feel like, you know, from where I come from, if we stick to a more constitutional role and then hash out some more of the uh, idiosyncrasies or nuances uh, at lower uh, government levels, then we can have more conversation and less polarization. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Yeah, we certainly found when people talk to each other that uh, they they find out that people are not so extreme as media makes us think that we are. True. There's a lot of nuances. Um, I hope I didn't interrupt you. you, No, no, I was done. I was done. I appreciate the comment. Yeah, go ahead. Good, good. Okay. Um, so uh, the author Jonathan Haidt uh, wrote a book called The Righteous Mind, which I highly recommend. It's a, a really important book for braver angels. And he talks about the six moral foundations. 
and how some of these foundations are more important for liberals, some more important for conservatives. So uh, the, the moral foundations of caring and fairness and then also liberty are more important to liberals. Not that they're not important to, to conservatives, they are. But for liberals, caring and fairness are like the two, oh my gosh, really, really important things for liberals. And liberty is, um, but maybe not to the extent that it is, or depending on the definition, compared to conservatives. Um, and then for conservatives, those are all important, but then there are other moral foundations that are, are important to conservatives and they're less important, although not unimportant, to liberals. And those are loyalty, authority, and sanctity, okay? Um, so a liberal may not be feel that loyalty to a particular um, political leader or, uh, or whatever is, is super important relative to, um, you know, they're, they're saying their piece. Um, anyway, I, met, I, I saw, I, anyway, the book is really great and it does help to clarify sometimes the differences that uh, we find between liberals and conservatives. But I want to talk about liberty in particular. Um, and so liberty for, for me, uh, it's, it's very important, but there's a place where it stops and we, the importance of we, the community, can, can take um, a higher um, precedent. So, for example, uh, and the, the big thing these days is COVID, right? Uh, and that's where liberty has become a big uh, watchword. And I'm not, I don't know what your viewers are, and maybe you'll share, but uh, my view is that uh, your liberty, uh, somebody's liberty to not get the vaccine, well, when that impedes my ability to live uh, and, and not have to worry about getting COVID as much as I would, uh, or their liberty not to wear a mask um, in a school situation when the Delta variant is going crazy, uh, then I think more important is uh, someone's, um, what they owe society and how can we live together in a community where we are, you know, your liberty is important, but uh, I think that, uh, my my ability to not get sick or die uh, is trumps that in a sense. So that's where I am on on liberty. Um, let freedom ring, but uh, that's why we have uh, we've got uh, vaccination requirements for schools. You need to be vaccinated against polio, against mumps, rubella, uh, smallpox, because. When you're not, we, we, we saw what happened early on in this country when, when those outbreaks, um, especially uh, polio just most recently. Um, so anyway, that's where I am on, on liberty. Um, okay, as I said, I'm an uh, environmentalist, so uh, I do believe that we do need to regulate uh, corporations um, when uh, what's happening now uh, with the environment is just so horrible. Uh, that we do need to to come to um, eventually um, um, eliminating fossil fuels. Going to take a while, obviously, uh, but we shouldn't be doing more to encourage more fossil fuel exploration and do more to encourage um, uh, the non-emitting um, types of energy. Uh, and then, when it comes to voting, I believe that 
um, the more people who vote, the better. Uh, that uh, you know, that's a, a and it, we live in a democracy, and so we should um, do whatever we can to enable the most people to vote. Obviously, election security is very important, but if there's uh, we haven't had a huge in in my view, we've not had a huge problem with election fraud. Um, nothing provable, uh, very little. There's little outbreaks of election fraud here or there, but it hasn't been a big deal. So um, my view is instead of um, making it more difficult for everybody to vote, to, to make it actually easier for people to vote by using mail-in ballots and um, by automatically registering people when they um, to vote when they get their driver's license, that type of thing. So that's that's where I am on that. And uh, I said my piece. Awesome. Um, so, and so now this is a back and forth. What did you learn about how the other person sees the benefits of their side? And did you see anything in common? So I, I feel like, um, well, like the, the benefits of your side that you see are that you want to ensure that more people have a voice. And also, more people have the have the ability to live without fear. At least that's that's what I felt like the themes were, yeah. uh, based off of your views of COVID, based off of your views uh, of of the election, um, or sorry, election integrity. Excuse me, uh, like like letting more people uh, being able to vote. Um, it, the things that we see in common. I'm trying to remember what I said. <laughs> I'm all caught up and I'm all caught up in what you talked about. I'm like, wait, what did I even talk about? Um, give me a minute. <laughs> I literally am like, what did I even talk about here? Uh, well, you talked oh, about liberty and freedom as well. Yeah. I, man, I feel like, uh, you know what? I, I don't, I honestly, it's, it's like, I would say that you did a really good job at speaking specifically and I did a really great job at speaking generally. <laughs> That's probably it, true. Yeah. 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 It, it, and uh, no matter what though, what I, what I come to understand listening to, to your point of view there is that you and I both feel like there, there's still, there's a lot of good that people can enact. Um, uh, and, we both believe that that America is actually still a good country to do so. I, mm -hmm. I haven't got based on the comments you've made, maybe I'm wrong, but based on the comments you've, you've made so far that you have a, an appreciation uh, for, for America and for being an American, um, which I find something that I relate to a lot, uh, you know, regardless of any other differences of opinions, I find it refreshing to speak to someone whom I disagree with, but ultimately we both agree that, that this is a good place, or at least we were, we, I believe you had said that when you moved to Japan and South Korea, you, it helped you appreciate being an American more. I, I think that's what you had said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it did. Uh, it also gave me other experiences where I saw what those countries were maybe doing things better than, than America was um, in my point of view. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't want to get into that too much. Um, I don't want to criticize, well, yeah, that'll get us, that'll get us into a big thing about gun control and I don't really want to go there right now. <laughs> sure, sure. 
because Japan and South Korea have very strict gun control and hardly anybody dies of, of gun violence sure. there. Um, anyway, so that's good. Um, yeah. So do you want to get into um, this is the, the other the flip side in terms of um, and I'll go first um, in terms of justifiable criticism of your own side. What are your reservations or concerns about your own side? This is an opportunity for humility about your own side. What makes you wince at least a little about your own side? Make sure you refer only to your side and avoid watering down your points by saying things like, of course, both sides are guilty of this. Okay. Um, so for my own side, my reservations, my, re my reservations are with the progressive uh, left uh, that um, I, I believe, I do believe in equality of opportunity. And I think the progressive left would say, rather than equality of out outcome, and I, although they would say that too, I think, um, and that's important, equality of opportunity rather than equality of outcome, because there's no way that you can ensure, or should you ensure equality of outcome. Um, but uh, the equality of opportunity which I very much believe in, but it's like, how far do you go? So in other words, right now in the, um, the larger, the human infrastructure bill, they want to have free community college for everyone. And I don't believe that in that. Um, I think that some people, you know, should get scholarships um, by merit or, or because of circumstance, but I don't believe everybody should get free community college. Um, when it comes to college, my parents scraped so that I could go to college. And uh, of course, back then, of course, college was a whole lot cheaper and the states helped pay for their state schools, et cetera. Um, so there's, we need to do something maybe, but I don't think that we should be guaranteeing free community college for everybody. That's just, for me, a bridge too far. It's just very, very expensive. Um, I do believe that we need to uh, do a lot more for um, the the environment, but maybe, I don't know if the government needs to be funding um, electric charging stations across the country. Maybe. I, I know that the private sector would somehow get to it, but right now there's three different types of outlets for electric cars. So the government could at least standardize the, the electrical outlets. What I'd like to see the government do more of is maybe um, incentivizing uh, and maybe helping fund research, but then the private industry being the ones to do most of the research. I do believe in, in private industry that that they can be very efficient, um, but I think the government can, can so maybe more so uh, than some of the progressives. Uh, so there's that. And then in terms of how to fund things, that's, that's really tricky how we fund anything that we want to, um, you know, that, that we want the government to be able to do uh, is very tricky. I guess I do believe in raising taxes um, more so. There's that thing about fairness. So if it's not fair to me that Jeff Bezos doesn't pay federal taxes a lot of the time, just like it wasn't fair to me that President Trump and many of the years he was in office, he either didn't pay taxes or he only paid $750 uh, in terms of federal income tax. That's not fair. But on the other hand, I don't believe in a wealth tax necessarily, where you you have to take an inventory of everything somebody owns and then and then tax a percentage of that. That's kind of too too difficult um, to, to to do. So uh, 
Yeah, I, I, that's why I call myself a moderate liberal, not a progressive liberal. Uh, and I just think that that my side needs to be really careful because on average, Americans tend to be um, a little on the center right in terms of their overall outlook um, rather than center left. And so if my side puts up too many progressive candidates, I think um, that will be that will be something they'll lose. And so I'd rather see moderate candidates, of which I think Joe Biden is a really good example, um, rather than more progressives. Sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you uh, for, for sharing that. I, For my own side, um, it's going to be quite different um, the way I speak about it, just because my side is not the side in power, right? Uh, it's definitely the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a little, a little bit about me that you should know is I, I do marketing. I do uh, digital marketing professionally uh, across Facebook, Instagram, Google, Amazon, uh, TikTok, like, like across, the, across the board. And so I'm very painfully aware of just how uh, my side is, is not in power in technology, not in power in the culture because uh, the, the, the largest uh, media outlets, um, whether we're talking about Hollywood, whether we're talking about news is all, you know, all swings left. And also the government uh, uh, entities all swing left and uh, currently with, with who is in office. And so, you know, when I think of uh, criticisms or reservations about my own side, it's more so in terms of uh, like, I have a lot of reservations towards how my side or my side of the aisle um, markets itself. And, and so I'm a marketer and I'm all, and everything I do is around giving someone a reason why they should make this purchase or why they should submit their information to learn more about uh, life insurance or, you know, what, whatever have you in one way or another, we're selling something uh, and we're always selling something at all times. And my side sucks at selling. And what I mean by that is uh, they, my, my side can way too easily forget that human beings are emotional and irrational that we go off of our feelings. Cause that's what marketing is. I could change the color of a button and get more purchases on an item. And I didn't change any of the verbiage just because the color of the, of the button changed, which means we're completely nudgeable. We're completely um, influenceable uh, through, through especially our emotions. And when you come from a place of like, well, here are these facts and this is why you're wrong. Or uh, you know, like things should just be this way. And that's that you don't market yourself very well. My concern is that, um, is that we, we can, we can be so rigid in how we see things that we don't allow more, more opportunity for people to see the good and in, in, in what we might believe or bring to the table, which is why there will be a continuum of loss, um, within technology, media and Paul and, and, uh, political power, uh, because, uh, we can be too rigid and we don't regard people's emotions and we don't, uh, try to listen as well as we ought to um you know uh, cult- have a culture war is a very big thing on my mind it's it's very real it's very uh true and um i feel like they uh m- my side is is really good at ostracizing people and really bad at welcoming people <laughs> mm. uh and i find that to be a problem i feel like uh a little more libertarianism is is good in there um, 
and that uh, people will not be open to be educated by the things that you would like to share with them unless you can hear them out and make them feel listened to, make them feel cared about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, are, are you done? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Yep. Yeah. Well, can I ask you, what about your site's policies? Is there anything that, that you um, criticize about your site's policies as, as opposed to marketing, which you talked about? Uh, I would say, sorry, I'm so like all the policies I, fo- I focus on nowadays are all the new policies, which doesn't, doesn't seem to be much <laughs> of anything coming from my side. I would say policies regarding immigration uh, need to be better. Uh, so it's really easy. And I apologize. I just realized that I, I totally had not done cross, you know, speak, uh, asking you questions. I, I had focused on, Oh, I go next. I should have asked you questions. I apologize. Um, no, that, no, no you shouldn't have. Cause this is, we're at the point after we've each spoken and now we're okay. Kind of, I, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to do that before I went. No, no, no. Okay. You're yeah. Good. I, I would say probably the biggest areas is immigration because, um, it's very easy to become uh, caricaturized. That's a hard word for me to say, um, because once again, we, we don't we don't see the human plight as well as we ought to. Um, seeing that, you know, there there is seriously a, a really big reason why people want to come to America, even illegally, and are willing to make all those risks. Um, what what we need is a immigration policy that is. Um, more more fair i guess is the best way to put it um that you you need to get you need to make it easier for people to immigrate in the way that's proper um and be less punishing to those who are who are used and manipulated by uh by those in government currently and also by those who are who are part of human trafficking uh those who are coyotes right like like innocent people at all times are being used and instead of doing something about that and instead of addressing the human plight as to why they would put themselves in a position to be used, uh, the response tends to be just shut it all down. And it's like, well, no, uh, really, we should recognize there's a reason why they're coming over here. What can be done about that? How do we help people obtain a life that they desire for themselves without it harming American culture and, and Americans America's institutions and also not emboldening those who use those uh, use the innocent uh, individuals. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that with me um, for, for admitting or that uh, on the right uh, there, maybe people can go too far to extreme in terms of just shutting immigration down. And, and I will admit on the left that they can go too far the other way. Um, you know, just trying to welcome too many people. There's just uh you know, there needs to be, like right now, the, the Biden's policy uh, of um, not uh, uh, bringing in people because of COVID and all, I, I think it's, it's, it's a good one. Um, people are coming anyway. Uh, there's so many uh, push factors out of Central America, out of the, the Northern Triangle, where things are just so dire there. Um, of course, people are trying to get here, but we can't take everybody, especially, you know, now with, with COVID and all. So we, we certainly need uh, border restrictions. But I'll tell you, with climate change, it's just going to get worse and worse. Um, people who live around the equator, around the world, uh, are going to get, they're going to 
go in either direction, north or south, because it's going to eventually become just unlivable. Um, and, and you're going to find more Americans wanting to go north to Canada or people going north to Russia because that's where it's going to be more liberal or down to Argentina. Those, those kind of more of the tips of, of this, of this world. Uh, anyway, so um, we're asked, what did you learn about the other person's concerns about their own side? And do you see anything in common? So uh, one thing I learned from you uh, that you, and I would, I understand very well, you're saying that um, the media and Hollywood are uh, tend to be left biased, and uh, so that you think your side needs to do a better job of marketing uh, their their points of view, why people should should, and I I agree, and I think we need a really really strong uh, conservative party, very much so, uh, and a conservative party that would would attract people to it. Um, and instead of trying to, to get less people to vote, um, to get more people to vote and to want to vote for conservative values and a conservative party, um, I just don't think the Republican Party is, is there at that point. But that's, that's kind of how I see things. But I, I think that if, if the Republican Party did do a better job of marketing itself and policies that people would like to see that are maybe more center-right, uh, that that you know they wouldn't there would not be a need to try and get fewer people to vote, especially fewer people who are brown or black um, people to vote, because you, you just attract them naturally. And in, in, uh, I, I want to make sure I'm not breaking any rules here. Can I can I provide provide you uh, some feedback where I might differ with you? Go ahead, go for it. Yep. Uh, I disagree v- uh, very strongly on uh, the the liberalization of of uh, voting because of the education of individuals. Um, if you go back to uh, my sentiments about how uh, big tech uh, is is you know swings left, media swings left, but also education systems also swing left, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in the way I would put it is they're all very thoroughly uh, indoctrinated with the same. Uh, with the same ideology, essentially. Now, to what degree people will will buy into uh, parts of the ideologies is going to vary, but across the board, there's a lot of agreement. And so, by by making it easier for anyone to vote who is younger, um, I mean, and I mean by age, I don't I don't care someone's race. I just mean by going even younger, uh, you ensure more people to vote uneducatedly. Uh, I feel like enough people already do that because of how, how many institutions and how much of America already swings one direction. Um, and I'll give you an example. I, uh, I have met, I have met and had conversations with a lot of people who have, um, gone to college and, uh, they started off, you know, that they, they really enjoyed their faith. Uh, they, they were Christian. They go off and they go to college and they find themselves quickly indoctrinated into believing, uh, basically going going straight to atheism, also believing that uh, that race is uh, primary, character is secondary, and then becoming vitriolic towards anyone who doesn't agree with them. And then finding their finding their way back to some of the more Christian roots. And I ask them about their journey, and they say, "Well, my whole childhood growing up, I'm always I'm always uh, pushed, nudged more towards this door that's open, that's more left." And so once I get, and so eventually, especially when you go to college, you're around people who are supposedly experts uh, and you trust them more, you, you've already been primed and ready for that. 
and uh, in high school students, I discover are are also well primed, even better than when I was in high school, to to think one way rather than to understand uh, more holistically. So I totally agree with you that a conservative party I think could do really good, and the Republican Party really sucks <laughs> at trying to appeal uh, to to anyone. Um, however, I. I really disagree given how many institutions all swing the same direction. Uh, I, I don't believe opening, uh, lowering the age range of people to, to vote is in any way a, a good idea because it kind of goes back to the immigration issue. You put people who are vulnerable, who are easily manipulated, and the, the most manipulated people or, or easily manipulated people are those who are high schoolers because their brains continue to develop, their, you know, their, 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 uh, hormones range wildly uh and and so therefore they are very susceptible to manipulation of of the worst kind uh, that's well, that's I, how that's how i view it i'm not sorry i'm not saying that you uh i'm not trying to say anything about any of your you're saying that you wholeheartedly say oh i want it to be this low of an age i'm just saying in general i i don't want it to be lower because of my worries there right so i i agree that um there's a left leftward bias in our uh, colleges and universities, and that we need a lot more conservative professors. Uh, because what's happening now is who, who are the people who decide who to hire, the people who are already there are the ones who make those decisions. And we do have certainly a, a left bias in terms of our college and university professors. So I totally agree with you there. Um, what I think I heard you say is that you didn't think the, the voting age should be lowered. Um, and I'm not aware of that debate going on. Is, is there a group of people who think it oh. should be lower than 18 years old? I thought you had indicated that once someone can get their license, uh, then they can also vote as well. Did, did you not say that earlier? I apologize if I had misheard. They can register to vote, yeah, when they get their license, but that doesn't mean I thought they should, that they can be 16 years old. So so it's an ability. So, you know, you got to be 18. Oh, years OK. 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 I thought yeah, you meant yeah. like like once they are old enough to get a license, they can then. No. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm no. totally misunderstanding. But I have met people who want that. Um, I thought you were in that same. No, group of people. no, no, no. I just want it to be really easy to register to vote. And the easiest way to register <laughs> is when people get their license. But no, I don't want 16 year olds to vote. Absolutely not. Um, 18, 18 is fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for clarifying that. I totally mis misheard when you talked about, you mm -hmm. know, getting a license and registering. I was like, oh, I, I had immediately assumed that's, that you had meant to lower the age to 16. That's why well, I yeah. had that little rant there. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But, but I mean, so we, but we do have a agreement in terms of, you know, Hollywood being kind of a, a left bias, um, the media being a left bias. Uh, but I mean, the right holds its own with with Fox News and um, OAN and Newsmax. Um, and uh, I think, well, the New York Times, I, I think this has been a phenomenon since, I don't know, the, the latter part of the last century that uh, New York Times, you know, used to be a more balanced newspaper than it is today. Uh I, st I still love the New York Times. I love the Washington Post. I grew up reading it. Um, I, I went to school in Washington, D.C., so I've always read the Post. It's kind of my newspaper. But I admit that it, there is a left bias to it, um, although they try to have a, some conservative um, commentators. So I, I totally admit that. And, and I see it kind of as a, 
a, a reaction. There, there, there's reaction during polarization. It's as if the um, even the media has gotten you know more more polarized itself. And of course, that's how they make money, right? Is the more outrageous media can be, the more clicks it gets on social media, um, the more people will share um, on Facebook or share articles. So uh, it's in media's best interest to be polarizing. And it's in our best interest to have conversations like this one and realize that maybe we're less polarized than media has led us to believe. And that's why these relationships and conversations are, are so important. I, um, I, I completely agree there. Uh, and, and I, I just want to apologize again for misunderstanding you earlier. And this is why great having an outline like this where we can discuss and, and, and the rules there, which is, you know, we, we are respectful to one another. We're not running over each other. I feel like, any conversation without a, a careful uh, outline of, of how of how we should talk to one another easily gets, for example, if I had done that to anyone else in a different sort of conversation, it would have become a rabbit hole of just talking around each other <laughs> and not understanding one another. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's it's important. I agree. Um, okay, so at this point, is there anything else that you want to say or should we do our checkout? Uh, we can totally do our checkout now. Okay. So the checkout is how do we each feel about this conversation? And do we both want to go forward with the second conversation, which is another one hour conversation, um, part two, basically. Um, so how do we feel? Uh, I feel good. I like you. <laughs> Not that I ever thought I wouldn't, but I like you. Uh, and I am interested in, in terms of what you had to say. Um, you speak quite intelligently. Uh, I think that we could go a whole lot deeper in, in some respects, but this is, this is a, these one-to-one -one conversations are kind of beginnings and they're highly structured. So because there's no facilitator here, it's just you and me. And so the, these are structured questions, there's structured time. Uh, but what we tell people is after these first two conversations, um, the training wheels are off the conversation. You've kind of in these first two conversations, kind of seen uh, about being polite to each other, being respectful listeners, and that you, you can, we hope that you will continue to talk to each other and seek each other's opinions about what's going on in the world um, and not have the structure anymore. Um, so, yeah, so I would like to go forward with a second conversation. I, I definitely want to. Um... I really want to ask you questions in the next conversation to better understand, you know, why, why you, you know, not, not, not necessarily why, how you think about certain topics, right? You, uh, there, you, let me say this, you brought up a number of topics that I, I totally disagree with you on, but I want to understand why you think that way. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I want to understand that things, things like about whether it's climate change or whether it's, um, uh, Oh, I already forgot all the other topics, but anyways, <laughs> sorry. I, 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 the other thing I do want to add here though, is, um, you help me to, to open myself up more. So I, you'll notice that for the majority of this conversation, I've, I've spoken very generally and that's because, you know, I, I, I naturally don't want to rock the boat. And then if I'm going to rock the boat and if I'm going to speak specifically, it's usually because I have to be in a 
defensive or, or fighting position. Does that make sense? Sure. And so it's hard for me to try to feel open enough to be like, all right, Donna, um, yeah, I'm going to share this, you know, as is, because I'm used to, if I do so, I'm expecting a jab back and then it becomes a, 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 you know, a, a, a tussle. And so I spoke way too generally here. You spoke beautifully specific and uh, you're helping me feel more comfortable to be able to do so because as much as I knew this was a safe conversation, subconsciously I did not. Okay. I, I get that. And it, it doesn't become a tussle because we don't do crosstalk. In other words, That's you right. get to speak for four minutes and then I get to speak for four minutes. And then it's only after that, that we have a conversation back and forth, but I'm not jabbing you. I mean, I, I may point sure. something out, but it's not a, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, let's see. Um, what do we call those is, um, gotcha type <laughs> gotcha questions or gotcha answers. Um, you know, it's like, when, when will you stop, when are you going to stop sleeping with your mistress um, is a question, right? That, well, that's, a, there's no way you can answer that question, right? Because, because <laughs> whichever way you answer it, you're, you're, you're saying that you've got a mistress or something. So, so anyway, that's, um, we don't do gotcha type stuff. And, and we, when we do ask questions, they're questions of curiosity, and we have another workshop where we help people frame questions of curiosity because they're not used to answering questions, uh, asking questions that way. They're used to asking questions that have that little jab in them, right? So that's, oh, yeah. that's important. And um, just so you know, so the next our next conversation, we're going to be asked to speak for four minutes about an issue that's important to us. And I might ask you, I might tell you the issue that's important to me in advance just so you don't pick the same one, because whatever sure. issue I pick, you're going to get a chance to talk about it too. And then the same for me. So it probably won't surprise you to the issue I'm going to talk about is the weather or, or climate change. That, that's awesome. what I want to talk about. How about you? Have you thought about what you might want to talk, what issue you might want to talk about? You know, I think, I think I want to talk about COVID-19. Okay. Okay. Very good. Those will be two juicy issues. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fun, and and I and I really look forward to to getting uh, your insight and also you know your questions towards me on it because I I want to expand you know the way I think on these things. Okay, very good. Very, yeah, it certainly helps one to to understand how they think about something when they have to explain it to somebody else. It helps you to better crystallize your own thoughts. So that's a positive thing. That's right. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks for this conversation. Um, we'll Thank be in so touch, much, I guess, about what we're going to talk again. Yes, we will. Yeah, I'll be sending you a message and uh, we'll, we'll be connecting that way through email. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. You Thank have you a, so a nice... Nice evening there. It's uh, you still got more of some of a day left. I don't. I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> That's right. Enjoy your evening. Take care. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to the Alex Spicer Show. Once again, don't forget to like and subscribe, leave a review, and I just want to say thank you to Donna for coming on and letting me speak with her and allowing me to listen to her point of view and for listening to mine. It was a lot of fun. I was nervous. I, and I am preparing myself to do much better next time. 
that way. It's it's truly is an open conversation. And I encourage every one of you who have listened to this to go out and be willing to discuss things with other with others and establish ground rules like you heard in this episode. Uh, that way, you know, it can be safe to share these ideas. In the end, what's going to help save us is that we communicate with one another. If we don't communicate, then we separate. Anyways, I will see you or, I'll, or I will speak to you all next week. <laughs> Live free until next time.